I want to just jump into this and talk about it. Before I do, I want to go through a couple things very quickly because the church is an easy target. Let me, let me start off by saying the church is an easy target. Christianity is an easy target for us to just tee off on and say, oh, look at all the atrocities that have happened in the name of Christianity. And of course, we would point to the Crusades and we would point to some other things. And certainly, there's not much you can say to defend some of those um, tragic um, atrocities. But let's just stop for just a moment before we start, start in on this. And let's just, I want to do something a little different. Because I think today, more than ever, in our politically correct world, I hear both Republicans and Democrats, I hear, you know, Christians and, and, and those who may not have any claims to that, uh, saying things about, you know, we're, we're not a Christian nation and sort of halfway apologizing for all the things that have happened, quote-unquote, in the name of a Christian nation over the centuries or a couple of centuries or so that we've been around as America and, 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 and so forth. Let me just stop and get you to just think with me just for a second before I launch into the other stuff that we're going to talk about. Um, all the, all the, think about all the wrong that's been done in the name of Christianity, and there's been a lot. But let's now talk about Stalin. Let's talk about Hitler. Let's talk about Pol Pot, Mao, or the new cool guy, Castro. I don't know when that happened. All of a sudden, it's cool to go be with Castro. I'm like, yeah, well, ask him how many Christians he's murdered recently. Um, let, let's, let's talk about all these, these people who don't make any claims to being a Christian. And, and here, here's what one author wrote that I thought was pretty interesting. Um, certainly, you know, there have been misguided Christians over the years that have caused atrocities. But when you compare that to the Stalins and the Hitlers and the Pol Pots of the world, um, the, here's a statistic that I didn't come up with, but it's pretty interesting. One author says it's about 300,000 to one people that have been murdered that, by, by all these godless dictators throughout history. So before we start picking, and I'm going to do that, before we start picking on Christianity and, and so forth, let's just stop and, and, and be a little, a little rational about this and think about this just for a moment, all right? Because there's an awful lot of atrocities that have happened in this world by just plain old godless dictators, and you know that. So I say that, now I want to get into the church. The church is, is a conduit it's a conduit that God has given to the world, which is the, the, the most common podium for the presentation of Christ and who he is and the message of Christ and the message of, of restoration and redemption and, and forgiveness. The church is, the, is the, really the podium that God has given us for that throughout the centuries. So we need to, we need to guard it. We need to be careful about it. We need to think about it. And I say the church, I mean the church. Is that, is that Renaissance church? Yes, that's church, and I'll say it this way, the big C church. That's the church church. That's what it is, all right? So when you think about that, um, and by the way, when we talk about church, big C, I didn't mention this, um, think of all the good things that the church has done over the centuries. Hospitals, schools. Look at all the hospitals that are saint something, you know? That was started by Christians somewhere. Now, it may not always represent that now, but that's how it started. Um, hospitals, churches, or excuse me, hospitals, schools, soup kitchens, thrift stores, orphanages, senior centers, etc., etc. All things churches have started. So as I talk about these bad things, there's an awful lot of good things too. And I recognize that, and I want you to recognize that. All of that said, uh, way too often, more specifically, uh, individuals 
call themselves believers, followers of Christ, are guilty of bringing shame or um, some cases more than shame, just all kinds of problems, destruction, and so forth upon this thing that we call church. And sometimes it's misguided, and sometimes it's, it's real, and sometimes it's perceived, and sometimes it's a little bit of both. So, um, and we need to talk about that for you as an individual, what that means to you, and, and, and how that works. And, you know, and, and I don't know, I mean, I hear it sometimes, I don't know if you think about it sometimes, but, but people often make their judgments of, I'll say Renaissance Church, if you come here regularly, um, and, and more important than Renaissance Church, Christ. People make their judgments so many times of Christ and, and church based on their interactions with one of you. I hear about it sometimes. Oh, you know, it's, it's happened a few years ago. Somebody said, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm probably my neighbor. Their tree fell in my yard. You know how that is around here. It's a big deal when your tree falls in your yard. And I don't know. It's crazy. It's just, I, don't, I still don't understand the whole thing. There's all kinds of legal stuff going on there. Hey, oh, this tree fell in my yard, and he won't help. And it's one of your people or your church. And I said, I don't know. Who, you know, who the heck are you talking about? I don't care, first of all. Solve your problems. I do care, but I mean, it hit me the wrong way at the time that he said it to me. It's Short Hills. You know how Short Hills are. Those people are crazy there. Um, um, I live there. I can say that, okay? I can say that. Uh, anyway, you, you know exactly. It didn't have to be Short Hills. There's a lot of places around here where it's like that. Uh, anyway, it, it's, it's, it's those kinds of things. Here's the deal. The church is made up of fallen people. Don't forget that. Francis Collins said this, writer of The Language of God, which is a a very good book that I would recommend. Um, it's more, it's a, more of a science book. It's a great book about creation. And he's the head of the Human Genome Project, and just an amazing book. He said this, the church is made up of fallen people, what I just said. The church is made up of fallen people. The pure, clean water of spiritual truth is placed in rusty containers, and the subsequent failings of the church down through the centuries should not be projected onto the faith itself as if the water had been the problem. Oh, that just sort of captured it for me. It's, not, it's not, not the church. Voltaire, who, by the way, was one of the huge influencers in terms of thinking on, the, on many of our, most of our founding fathers. Um, Voltaire said this, Is it any wonder that there are, there are atheists in the world when the church behaves so abominably? Voltaire said that. That was amazing. It happened back then. So let's get into this frustration. Why are, why are so many? Why does it seem like, let's put it that way, so many of God's people can be just jerks. By the way, that's not the, that was not the working title. That was the title that came through after several, um, um, what do we call them, censors and um, other things. And they, you know, that's not, I had other words, but they wouldn't let me use those words. But because I get very passionate about this because I've lived it so many times with, with people and, and seen people just be total jerks. And, and then it reflects back on me or the church or, or more important than any of that, Christ. So that's the issue here. And let's just, let's just, let's just talk about this. Three things, four things. Uh, why are so many of God's people jerks? Well, one, because knowledge doesn't always translate into practice. Knowledge doesn't always translate into practice. This is an important issue. Let me show you what the Bible teaches. Romans chapter 2, verse 21. Well then, if you teach others, why don't you teach yourself? You tell others not to steal, but you steal. You say it's wrong to commit adultery, but do you do it? You condemn idolatry, but do you steal from pagan temples? 
You're so proud, watch this, this is the part that, that grabs me. You are so proud of knowing the law, but you dishonor God by breaking it. No wonder, the Scriptures say, the world blasphemes the name of God because of you. That's a, that's a heavy, heavy statement. Think about that. The world blasphemes the name of God because of you. I look at that and I think, oh, Lord, God, please, I hope not. Have I given them opportunity? I'm sure I have. Have you? I'm sure you have more than once. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. That's why Jesus came. The emphasis here, though, you're so proud of knowing the law, but you dishonor God by breaking it. In some churches, and this is my background mainly, um, knowledge of the Scripture is such a priority. And that's okay. In fact, that's a very good thing. We need to know the Bible. You hear me? If you come here very often, you know that I'm always, hey, you read your Bible a little bit. Goodness, I mean, come on. Put it on your, put it on your iPhone or much less desired BlackBerry, and, and, and I'm, I'm working on I'm working on I'm working on how many Sundays in a row I can say that. Um, I think I'm on four right now. But, uh, but, you know, and you hear me talk about that all the time. You know, put, get it on your, where you can read it and read, you hear it's a priority. For, I believe it's a priority for you to read the Bible. We have Bible studies. We're going to be starting some, some other ones uh, real soon uh, at, a, at a different time where, to make it more available to you. We think it's important. But here's what I'm trying to get to. Get, make sure you don't miss this. Knowledge doesn't mean you got it. As one of my professors used to say, there's about six inches from here to here. You know, and, and from your head to your heart, and you need to get it in your heart. And that's so true, and, and, and the issue here is knowledge doesn't always translate into practice. You need to learn it, and then you need to ask God, the Holy Spirit, to work in your heart, and to work in your life, and to work it out, to, to, so you can live it out. Um, that's, an, that's a huge issue. Some of God's people are not what they should be because they, knowledge, they just think it's all about knowledge. It's not just about knowledge. That's a part of it, but it's just the, the beginning. That's, that's the first thing. Second thing, behavior overrules God talk. Or, I got it a different way I want to say it here. Know what you, what you do says a lot more than what you say. What you do says a lot more than what you say. Um, watch this. First Peter chapter. These people I'm going to. These people that he's writing to in this next passage, these folks are. Um, they're undergoing persecution. This is this is um, at a time in history when we believed it was Nero or one of the Neros. They, none of none of them were good in, in the Roman Empire, and uh, Christians. Uh, it, it wasn't a positive thing to be a follower of Christ in that culture. And these folks are undergoing that he's writing to that I'm going to show you in just a second. Peter is writing to them. He's telling them, hang in there. Stay strong. So they're getting all kinds of very hostile environment. It would be similar to some of the things that you hear about sometimes in the news if you were a Christian in a very extreme Muslim area, whether it be a country or area. It just wouldn't be a real popular thing, and it might even, be, might even not, not be good for your health. Um, in some extreme situations. I'm not saying that's the case all the time. But that's the kind of situation they're in. And so he writes this to them, First Peter chapter 2. Dear brothers and sisters, you are foreigners and aliens here. That's true. I had to move to New Jersey to feel that. Um, 
Dear brothers and sisters, you are foreigners and aliens here. So I warn you to keep away from evil desires because they fight against your very souls. That's the exhortation. Now watch this. Verse 12, be careful how you live among your unbelieving neighbors. Even if they accuse you, which they would do, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will believe and give honor to God when he comes to judge the world. There you go. Even if they accuse you of wrongdoing, they will see your honorable behavior. They will see, as they like to say in some places, your body of work. They will see your life and how you've lived. Not just one particular moment when you flew off the handle. And you shouldn't have, but you did. And you said something or did something or maybe even participated in some practice that, that, that you shouldn't have. But they would still be able, be able to see, and you're going to see this, thing, this, this honorable behavior. You know? and, and the point here is he's saying, listen, you know, it's not just what you say. It's, it's what you do. It's how you live. Uh, your, your behavior overrules that God talk. Now, what do you mean by God talk? What does that mean, Rich? Um, there are some places where it is a priority to talk a certain way, certain phrases that would be, you know, we had talked about that when you go in and, you know, and they would use like what I will call Christian-y words. There used to be a great depiction of this on TV. Um, it was it used to be on Saturday Night Live, the church lady. Remember the church lady? I know her. I know her in many places. She seems to follow me around sometimes. You know? um, I've known people like that over the years, and so have you, where they think they have to act a certain way and talk a certain way. And, 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 and the Bible tells us that's, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about authenticity. We're talking about who, who we really are and just the, how we live our lives. Don't be fooled. Don't be self-deceived. <clears throat> uh, Bible talk is not an equivalent of godly character or of true righteousness. I've learned over the years that some people who are, who are kind of rough around the edges can have a heart that is pure gold and is totally following after God and Christ in ways that, that uh, are amazing. So that's an important lesson to learn. Uh, we can't always go by what we see and what we hear and how people, inf- how people I- impress us or s- certain ways they don't impress us. So that's, um, that's the second thing. Why are so many of God's people problems? Well, one, they don't, sometimes knowledge doesn't translate into practice. Uh, sometimes they don't understand that what they do is more important than what they say. Third thing, if you're a follower of Christ, you're called to a higher standard. Now, this is important. Two verses, Romans 12. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Do things in such a way that everyone, here it is again, that everyone can see you are honorable. Do your part to live in peace with everyone as much as possible. Do the people you deal with, that you live with, work, play with, whatever, do they understand that you're a person, would they say, you know, he's a person of honor. Maybe they wouldn't use that word, but he's a person of honor. She's a person of honor. Oh, yeah, they got this problem, they got this problem, but they're, but they're people of honor. So that's what he's talking about here. And uh, that's, a, that's, a high, that's a very important issue. It's, it's not a matter of, you know, and you, and you get, I, I realize that you're not always going to be that way. I realize that you're going to seek to live this way and seek, you know, how you treat people and, 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 and how you, you know, how you, how you treat them. I always like to use this illustration because sometimes I, I have to check myself on more than one occasion when you're trying to buy something or, or, or you're doing something and, you know, the person doesn't speak English and you're trying to communicate with them and, you know, 
<clears throat> you kind of lose patience, and sometimes you don't treat them. That's important, how you treat people like that. You, you, you work really hard and work watching out for that stuff, and then, you know, you get in the grocery store and some idiot runs into you with her cart or something, and all of a sudden you fly off the handle again. I'm sorry, some dear, well-meaning individual runs into you with her cart. And, and, and then you're like, ah, you know, and, you, and you go off again. And, you know, and, and so it's, it's a whole thing. And that's why you need, you need to stop and just, you know, hey, I'm sorry. You know, you, we're, you're not perfect. None of us are. But we need to think about how we live our lives so that, that there's honor. And we do that not because, not because of my name or who I am, or not even necessarily because of the church that I go to, although I hope you'll consider that. But more important than that, because of, the, of, of who I desire to serve in my life, if that's Christ. That's, if that's Christ. Fourth thing. Why are so many of God's people jerks? Well, some knowledge doesn't always translate into practice. Two, what you do is more important than what you say. Three, followers of Christ, are just, we just have, are called to a higher standard. You know, and that, by the way, the thing, one of my professors used to say this. Gosh, it's been uh, way too many years for me to say. Um, but I, I remember it vividly, him saying, uh, and this isn't exactly right theologically, but it always helped me to think my way through the Bible, especially in the beginning when I first started my studies. Uh, the Old Testament is a book of demands. The New Testament is a book of enablement. And while generally that's true, we have that enablement that comes with the indwelling Holy Spirit. When one comes to faith in Christ, and I'm going to show you more about it in just a second in the verse, then one has the ability then to live a higher, to a higher standard that, that, that we're called to live to. That's the third thing. Fourth thing, and this is distinctively for those of you who, and, and you're going to see this, who are, who are who, who you consider, whatever you are, wherever you are in your faith journey, if in any way you consider yourself a follower of Christ, this is for you. And if you don't, you can just listen, okay? We're glad you're here. But um, here it is. For 2 Corinthians chapter 5, all this newness of life is from God, who brought us back to himself through what Christ did. Watch this now. This is really good. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Watch this. No longer counting people's sins against them. Yahoo. Uh, this is a wonderful message he's given to tell others. We are Christ's ambassadors. And God is using us to speak to you. We urge you, as through Christ himself we're here pleading with you, be reconciled to God. Here we go. This is one heck of a verse right here. Verse 21. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. That's the gospel, folks, right there. You wonder what the gospel is? That's the gospel. God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for my sin. I'll make it personal there. So that we could be made right with God through Christ. I become a follower of Christ when I say, I believe that. I'm putting my trust in that, in that truth, that God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for my sin so that I could be made right with God through Christ. That says it all. So I want to go back to verse 20. We're Christ ambassadors. We're Christ ambassadors. I love that. Not all Bibles translate it that way, the new living, which is what I'm using today um, for all these does. 
And it means, it, it really speaks my language for a couple of different reasons. One, some of you know this about me, um, I'm not doing as much anymore just because of time, but when I, before I came here, and while I was here for the first five years or so, six years, um, I, w- I had been helping, and still am loosely connected, but was more actively helping, with a, 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 a prayer group in the UN, with UN ambassadors. And it was great fun. It was, it's frustrating. It's real hard work because these guys, it's real hard to nail them down on stuff and get everybody together once a month and, 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 and all the stuff you got to do. But it, it's, it's, it's fun. It's just really fulfilling. And these guys are just amazing guys. And it's great to be able to, to be in somebody's life and just pray with them and not want anything out of them. I mean, they're, they're used to everybody wanting a piece of them for something, you know, and to have somebody come in unconditionally and just love them and care about them and pray for them. They, 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 that was news to them. But let me tell you something. I have a very fond affection for Eritrea. Some of you are looking at me like, Eritrea? It's a country in Africa. And um, it's kind of, yeah, be like Michigan people. It's kind of right here, you know, that's what they always do. Um, Eritrea, it's, it's, it's not South Africa, but it's sort of, anyway, doesn't matter where it is. Um, I got to know ambassador, an ambassador from Eritrea. Just really spent a lot of time with him. Prayed with him on a lot of different issues. And I just, you know, all of a sudden I'm like, well, this, is, this has got to be a great country. How many people have I known from Eritrea before I even knew where it was 10 years ago? One. One person. Another country that I'm very, very fond of, Bangladesh. Say Bangladesh? One of the smartest, sharpest, funnest, if that's a word I can use, guys that I've known, an ambassador from, from Bangladesh. Just, just, he's about that tall. He uh, has a Muslim background, always, would always come to our, our, our prayer groups, and we would always read the, from the Gospels, and I'd just read and talk for 10 minutes, and then we'd pray, I'd pray, ask what we could pray for and stuff. And um, always would come and always have a comment to make, you know, and uh, just a great guy. And Bangladesh. I'm like, this guy's great. I love Bangladesh. How many guys have I known from Bangladesh? One guy. <laughs> One other country. Uh, Georgia. Love Georgia. Uh, hang on with me here, people. I'm getting some looks. You say, well, Georgia has a representative in the UN? Does New Jersey? Yeah, no. Um, the, the, the country of Georgia. Um, the country of Georgia. It's been in the news about a year ago. And, and one of the first things I, I was at, I got emailed a few friends that I knew because Peter went back. He was the ambassador from Georgia. Just love the guy. Terrific. I've got, I got great stories about him. But again, how many people have I known from Georgia? I've actually known more than one, but, but I've only known one. You know, he was one of the first ones that I really got to know. And it was just like, how can you have affections for this, these other countries because it's their ambassador? Now, now you've just sort of, you, you see my point, I think. You just sort of correlate that. Just think about people. You know what? I don't know too much about Jesus. I don't know too much about church, but I do know so-and-so. And my gosh, if, if that's what's happening in their life, I've got a strong affection for that, that, that place, or more important than place, Christ and who he is. That's what he's talking about here. Now, and this is a tough issue, because when you look at this, and you look at that last verse, put it up there again, please, that last verse particularly, verse 21, for God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with, with God through Christ. Does that mean that all of a sudden we're no longer jerks? No, we're all jerks, let's face it. We're church of jerks, okay? You can use that, okay? Um, we all have a little streak of jerkdom that runs through us, and you know that, and I do too. And I'm leading the charge, okay? Um, I'm not proud of that, but thank God for Jesus. 
we're still going to blow it at times. We're still going to, whether it's fly off the handle or you know, decline into some behavior that we shouldn't be in, we're, that's going to happen. And when it does, it's important, first of all, that you recognize it as soon as you can. And you approach that with humility and with, with, with some with, with thanking God, thankfulness, some humility and, 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 and authenticity. To say, okay, look, I'm, 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 you know, and if you can acknowledge it to the other person or people, you do that. If you can't, you just thank God for his forgiveness and you seek to move on. That's an important issue, though. Because when we talk about the jerks, we always think about it with other people. We don't stop to think about, yeah, but you know what, I can be too. And, and that one time I spoke in a way that wasn't very becoming to, to the God that I represent, to that individual. And, and, and I, need to, I need to back off that, ratchet it down, and ask God to give me the enablement, which he will give me in a relationship with Christ, uh, through the Holy Spirit who lives in me, to live above that. And he will, and he can, and he does. But we have to approach it with some authenticity and with honesty and, and, and you know, just like Daniel was singing about earlier, just some passion to not just go through the motions, but to have God at work in me, doing things, living in such a way that's going to be honoring to him. So why are so many of God's people jerks? Because we're fallen people. But Jesus came to give us restoration, restore us to a place we've never been since we fell, to give us forgiveness, and we deal with our fallenness with authenticity and certainly with just thankfulness for the forgiveness that God gives us, and we thank him for that. I hope that that God, you'll take that, you'll think through that, be able to forgive others, Seek forgiveness for yourself where, where, the, need, where the need is and, uh, and thank God for his ability to love you and me and all of our fallenness and jerkiness, as it were. Let's pray. God, we are thankful for your, for your love. And God, it's amazing when we think about the forgiveness, the love, the grace that you give us. Pray that we would give it to others. I pray, God, that we would seek to live it out in our lives as well. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.